here's today's transformational truth, okay? Self-righteousness is no righteousness at all. Welcome to the Transformational Truth Podcast, where we're committed to eliminating the obstacles that take the joy out of life and leadership. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to Transformational Truths. Yes, we are back. As a matter of fact, I think it's been about six weeks since we dropped our last episode of Transformational Truths, but we've had a lot going on around here, some pretty exciting stuff. So almost six weeks ago, my wife, Tina, gave birth to baby, well, number six. Yeah, Olivia Mercy arrived. She's beautiful. She's incredible. Both mom and baby are doing well, and in the midst of that, we moved our ministry. So yeah, there's been all kinds of exciting stuff happening, but I am excited to be back on Transformational Truths, and I'm excited to jump in today's to- into today's topic. Uh, today, I want to talk to you about understanding some of Jesus' difficult teachings. As a matter of fact, here's today's Transformational Truth. Okay, Self-righteousness is no righteousness at all. Uh, it, let me ask you a question. What do we do with some of these really difficult teachings of Jesus that we see in the Gospels. Now, some might be quick to respond. You simply obey them. But I'd be careful here because the truth be told, if you don't understand the context of what Jesus was saying, then some of these teachings appear to be harsher than almost any other world religion. Okay, bear with me for a second. Listen, let me give you some examples. Okay, Jesus said, for example, if your hand causes you to sin, cut them off. Matthew 5.30, all right? Or if your eye causes you to sin, well, then pluck them out. Matthew uh, 5.29. Here's another one that should get our attention. Be perfect like God is perfect. Matthew 5.48. Oh my goodness. Uh, That's impossible. How about this one? Sell everything that you have, give it to the poor, and then you're ready to follow Jesus. Here's another one. If you have anger in your heart, you've committed murder. Matthew chapter 5. Uh, if you've looked with lust, it's the same thing as committing adultery. Matthew chapter 6, verses 14 and 15. So did Jesus give us all of these commands as conditions for our salvation? All right, listen, I think we can agree that if so, then we're, we're all very much in trouble. Then, then the cross didn't accomplish that much. Yeah. This is where understanding proper context is vital because the cross meant everything. And we'll get to more of that in just a second. Context is everything. If anytime you take the text out of context, all you're left with is a con. And if you don't understand how to properly, rightly divide the word of God between the old and the new covenant, then you will be tempted to take some of these challenging and difficult teachings of Jesus, and you'll try to apply these to your life. And you'll put yourself on this horribly exhausting hamster wheel of religious performance trying to earn a certain degree of righteousness to prove your goodness to God. And I always thought it was interesting because what we tend to do when we don't understand the context of Jesus' teaching, when we talk about the difficult teachings of Christ, uh, we we typically cherry-pick the ones that we like and the ones that we don't like. I mean, you never hear guys really preach about, you know, if your eye causes you to sin, well, you need to go home and pluck that out. Nobody's pre- Thank God nobody's preaching that. We kind of 
pick and choose the ones that we like or don't like. But I think this is where understanding context is vital. We've got to remember that Jesus was born under the law to save those who were held captive to the law. This is Galatians chapter 4, right? This was his audience. So when you're talking about understanding the context of Scripture, one of the things you have to take into consideration is audience relevance. Who was Jesus' audience? Galatians 4 verses 4 through 5 says it this way. God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, why? To redeem those who were under the law. That's right. Jesus was surrounded by people who were convinced of their own self-righteousness, right? They, they thought of themselves as really good law keepers. It, here was the problem. They had watered down the potency of the law so much that they actually thought they could keep it. And because they thought they could keep it, they thought that they were righteous. Now, God is love. Jesus is love. Jesus loved them. And he loved them so much that in order to save them, before he could offer them hope, he had to first awaken them to the reality of their hopelessness. Yeah. Let me tell you something about the law. The law is like a mirror. When we're talking about the law of Moses, the law is like a mirror. A mirror can show you how dirty your face is, but it can do nothing about making it clean. And so through Jesus' teachings, he reveals to them the true impossible standards of the law of Moses. And by the way, ladies and gentlemen, we're not just talking about Ten Commandments here. There are 613 laws of Moses, 613, that they thought they could keep to perfection and by doing so become righteousness through the law. Okay. Now, by Jesus revealing the impossible standards of the law of Moses, because the law was designed to do one thing, bring mankind to the end of himself. Make man realize they could not do this. They needed a savior. They were in desperate need of a savior. And they could never, they would never rather, turn to grace as long as they believed they could actually keep the law of Moses. So, Jesus' first priority here, remember, he's born of a woman born under the law to redeem those who are under the law. So, Jesus' first priority is to invoke this, this sense of desperate need before he offers relief through his finished work on the cross. Okay, still not convinced? Okay, let me give you one more. In Matthew chapter 28 and verse 20, Jesus commanded his disciples to go and teach everything that he taught them. Okay, yet when we open up the epistles of Peter, of James, of Paul, or John, do you know how many of those harsh commands were repeated? You want to guess? That's right, zero. Not a single one of those harsh commands were ever repeated in any of the epistles by Peter, by Paul, by John, by James, not one. You won't find them mentioned anywhere. Not one time do they repeat these harsh teachings of Jesus. Not one time do you hear them say, uh, uh, be perfect as God is perfect. Not one time do you hear them say, go sell everything and only then will you be ready to follow Jesus. Not one time do you hear them repeating these difficult teachings of Jesus. Why? Why, Travis? It's very simple. They understood the assignment. They understood the context of everything Jesus was doing, and they understood what Jesus had accomplished at the cross of Calvary, where he shed his blood. Listen to me carefully. Forgiveness is only granted by the shedding of blood, period. Not by your or my ability to, with perfection, keep the law of Moses. So are we to assume 
If they're not mentioned anywhere, are we to assume that the apostles just forgot or that they left these out intentionally? Absolutely not. (laughs) Not for a moment. Okay? They just understood the cross. They understood the context. They understood the audience of Jesus. They understood the assignment absolutely, positively, perfectly. They knew what Jesus had been accomplishing with those teachings, and it was because of his shed blood that we were no longer living under the law, but now we're living under the new covenant of God's transformational grace. (laughs) And that is exactly what they taught Ladies and gentlemen, and that is exactly what they preached. Why? Because the grace of God transforms your life from the inside out. Can I tell you something? Before the cross, mankind, or the people of God, I should say, were governed by the law. On this side of the cross, are you ready for this? We're governed by the Holy Spirit. That's right. The Holy Spirit who leads us into all righteousness. The Holy Spirit who leads us into all holiness. He is the one who is doing the transformative work on the inside of us. Those who are led by the Spirit of God, they are children of God. (laughs) That's why it's called a new and better covenant. A better covenant made on better, or built on better promises. When it comes to grace, you have to understand something. There is a misconception around grace, a horrible misconception around grace. And I, I'm, I believe with all of my heart, the enemy has worked hard to distort grace. Because there is this fear around the conversation of grace. And we think, oh, you preach too much grace, you talk too much about grace. If you do that, people are going to go crazy and they're going to sin. They're going to, you know, if you preach too much grace, they're going to use grace as a license to sin. Ladies and gentlemen, people have been sinning without a license for decades and centuries. Listen to me carefully. Grace does not cause anybody to sin. What grace does is give permission, give people permission to be honest about their sin. Yeah, that's why the book of Hebrews, it says, come boldly to the throne of what? The throne of grace, where you will find grace and mercy. You will find help in your time of need. You don't have to, because all of your sins have been taken care of at the cross, you don't have to fear coming to the throne. You've been forgiven by grace. You you, you are born again by his grace. You're a new creation because of grace. Grace doesn't cause you to sin more. My goodness, what grace does is it causes you to be free enough to be honest about the sin you've already been struggling with. Yeah. And, and when we don't understand grace, you know what people tend to do? What we do is we hide our struggle and we bury it. Here's the problem. Anything that grows in the dark can become deadly. And you end up fighting battles in the darkness by yourself <laughs> that you could have been winning had you brought it into the light because you understand you can come boldly to the throne of grace. Hallelujah. Self-righteousness is no righteousness at all. But can I give you some good news? The minute you place your faith in Jesus, the Bible says, you became the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Jesus imputed all of his righteousness to you, and he took all of our sin. And we are living under a new covenant of God's grace, not the old of the law. And it's only through faith in Jesus. Let me say this again. It is only through faith in Jesus that we're saved by grace and grace alone, lest any man should boast. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 9. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God. I emphasize the word gift. It is given. It is a gift of God, not earned. This this is not wages. This is a gift of God. Not, this is verse 9, not by works, 
so that no one can boast, not the preacher, not the pastor, not the bishop, not the apostle, not the prophet, not the teacher, not the evangelist. No, no one can boast. It is a gift of God. When we put our faith in Jesus, we receive his righteousness and we become a brand new creation. So, so you know what you can do on this side of the cross? You can accept Jesus's invitation to enter his rest. Yeah. Re listen, when the author of Hebrews talks about entering the, his rest, he's not talking about death. He's talking about accepting his invitation to enter his rest because why? The work was finished at the cross. You can stop striving. You can stop trying to prove something. You can get off the hamster wheel of religion and you can accept the finished work of Jesus and let the Holy Spirit supernaturally transform your life from the inside out as your mind is renewed every day with the truth of what God's word says is true about you. Okay, You can trust on this side of the cross that he who started a good work will actually be faithful to complete it in you. You can rest knowing that upon placing your faith in Jesus, you were made righteous, you were made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, and that the Holy Spirit is empowering you to mature in your new identity in Christ every single day. That's right, he'll never quit on you, he won't give up on you. Uh, even Listen, even a righteous man falls, but what? He gets back up. Why? Because the resurrection power of Jesus is now living inside of you, believer. You can't stay down. It's impossible. You can't stay down. Jesus is living inside of you. His resurrection power is living inside of you. Even when you do fall, you can't stay there. You've got to get back up. Why? Because you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Listen to me carefully. You are righteous, perfectly righteous, not because you earned it. Okay? Not because of anything you've done. You are righteous. And you're going to prove that to yourself. Uh, Travis, how can you say that? How, how can you say that I'm righteous and how can you say I'm going to prove it to myself? Here's how you're going to prove it to yourself. You're going to prove it to yourself either by sinning and being completely miserable or by living righteously and being completely fulfilled. Right? Because righteous is who you are. <laughs> because Jesus' invitation was simple. He said, all who are weary, all who are burned out on religion, come to me. And I will give you rest for your weary souls. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is really, really good news. So let's recap today's transformational truth. Self-righteousness is no righteousness at all. Listen, if Transformational Truths is a blessing to you, if it's helpful to you, do me a favor. Go over to iTunes, rate the show, write me a quick review. We want to help restore the joy to life and leadership. Until next time.